Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you guys here today. We are going to be talking about, I made a promise on my Instagram story that my next podcast would be about why there is suffering in God's world and that was a question someone had asked me and I said I promise I will make my la- my next podcast about that so we will do that today and yeah so we're going to talk about that I wanted to just give you guys an update on my life you guys know I am literally obsessed well I don't know if everyone knows but a lot of people know that I've been watching my Instagram stories or seeing me on Twitter that I am obsessed with reading fiction. I'm actually specifically obsessed with reading romanticy. And I'm just going to tell you guys the vibes and tell you guys what that is first. So yeah, so when I was a kid, I used to read literally obsessively. Like I read every single Nancy Drew book, every single Hardy Boys book. I would just like read every single second. And my mom actually went to my school and was like, my daughter's reading too much. Like it's a little bit insane and obsessive. Like what do I do to get her to stop reading? And that was in fourth grade. And my teacher was like, um, I don't think that's a problem. Like you should probably should, shouldn't complain and just let her read. And my punishment when I was a kid, I've said this before though, but, um, my punishment when I was a kid, it used to be my mom would take away. I had like a little reading nightlight. So like after she turned off the lights in my room, I had this little like book light that would clip on to my book that I got at Barnes and Nobles. And then like there was like a little light. And so she would take that away. So that was like my punishment was that I couldn't read at night. And I used to live in my local bookstore literally and like put all these books on hold. And on my birthday, like all the girls who would come to my birthday party would go to the bookstore and get me the books that were on hold. So Yeah, I was just an avid, you know, fiction reader when I was a kid. And then I was talking to a friend of mine, Alexis, about this today because she had just gotten into Fourth Wing as I was telling her, oh, my gosh, you guys, you have to read Fourth Wing. And she's um, actually she's all Alexis online on YouTube. I know she has a huge following of girls on YouTube who follow her for her femininity and womanhood content. But we were just talking about this, about how we were avid readers as kids. And then around like 16 years old, um, you know, just stuff, we kind of stopped reading. And so for me, like when I was like 16 years old, I... When I went to an all-girls private school and we just had so much homework and then I would also play sports so it was just like oh my gosh I didn't have like you know so much time after school and then on the weekends I wanted to be my with my friends so like I just didn't really I just kind of stopped reading so you're reading all this stuff for school and then in college I picked up reading again but I started just reading you know non-fiction books I started reading self-help books and just you know not even just self-help books but just you know books about womanhood and life and you know spirituality and you know also self-help but just like things in general I would just always read nonfiction, and I just kind of was like I just didn't really realize that there was adult fiction 
because my favorite book series is The Hunger Games. My favorite everything is The Hunger Games. Everyone knows I'm obsessed with The Hunger Games. I literally love The Hunger Games. I actually am watching Catching Fire today. I watched Hunger Games last night and like I'm just obsessed. I think the movie is the best movie that cinema has ever seen in the history of life. And I also think that the books are the best books in the world. So Hunger Games is gonna do it for me every time. Love everything about it. Like, and also Suzanne Collins is an alum from NYU, as am I. So that's really my sister. <laughs> no, but like literally, I'm like, all right, Suzanne, like, yeah, you did that. But anyway, yeah, so I love the Hunger Games. I also loved like books like Divergent and Twilight and I just used to read when I was in middle school and the beginning of high school, I read like a lot of kind of like romantic books. Like, oh my gosh, I read all the Vampire Diaries. I read the Faded series. I read anything that had to do with like fantasy or sci-fi and like love. And so I read all those books. So many I don't even remember. There was just like, I just read every single series that was for young adults in my library. I'm not even in my library, in my bookstore. I read everything. And so I was just into, you know, fantasy love. And I was never into like just kind of like books that were just kind of like girls they still read right now as adults. There's like just, you know, cutesy like, you know, romance and we fell in love at the bookstore and then we, you know, got, got married. Like I never was into that. I was into like the intense, you know, romance you know, otherworldly fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. So that was always just like what I was into. And then I heard everyone was telling me, oh my gosh, you have to read Fourth Wing because I'm obsessed with Hunger Games. They're like, you're going to really love Fourth Wing. And I just didn't under, like I was so preoccupied for the last, you know, like (laughs) eight years with reading nonfiction that I did not realize that there was N.A. So I didn't realize that there was adult fiction. I did not realize that at all. So N.A. is I think stands for new adult and Y.A. is young adult. So I believe that N.A. is like above the age of 18 is where like the characters are and they're like young adults kind of but not not young adults as in under 18. Um, So they're adults though and the books can get spicy aka smutty (laughs) and um, they're just like really really good. Okay so I read Fourth Wing and my mind was literally blown Fourth Wing is honestly the best book ever. Like I was obsessed and I still am. I am obsessed with Fourth Wing. I read it as soon as I finished it. I started reading it again. I read it two times within a week and I finished it within two days the first time. And I finished it, I think like three days the second time. And Zayden Ryerson Okay, like enough said. Just Zayden Ryerson. If you haven't read it, just just go read Fourth Wing. It is so good. But reading Fourth Wing, I was just so inspired because I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that there is there are books for adults. Because even when I reread Hunger Games, like I still think it's the best book in the world. But it's, you know, kids and it's kid love and it's just kid stuff, you know, not not kid stuff. Obviously, it's the Hunger Games. But it's still targeted towards kids and, you know, other books as well. They're targeted towards kids. And so reading Fourth Wing, where it's targeted towards adult women and the protagonist, the main character is an adult woman and the main male character is an adult male and like they have sex and like there's just like and they're adults. So it's not weird, you know, like the kissing is adults, like it's just adult stuff. Like it was just so much better and just met me where I'm at, which is adulthood, you know? And I just was like, 
oh my gosh, I love this so much. And it was so, it was just so good. And everything about it is so good. The dragons are like the best thing ever. I'm so obsessed with her dragon. I think that he is one of the best characters in the book. And yeah, I just love this book so much. And then also after I started reading Fourth Wing, I started reading Akatar. So that is A Court of Thorns and Roses. And everyone was messaging me like, oh my gosh, if you love Fourth Wing, you should read Akatar. So I read Akatar and no, like I am also obsessed. It is so good. <laughs> recent, I like to say Ryzen, but recent is apparently how you say it. He is God tier. Like recent is there's actually no words. Recent is everything. So is Zayden. But like recent is every, 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 everything. He is just so awesome. He's like the best male character ever. So is Zayden. Like they're both like the best. They're tied in my mind for the best male characters ever. And I just love them so much. And I loved the writing by Sarah J. Mass. I thought that the first and second books were the strongest. And I thought that the third book wasn't as strong, but I still really, really liked it. And then I didn't like A Court of Silver Flames, but you know, a lot of people have different perspectives on that. I only didn't like it because it didn't, it no longer followed the main characters. It followed the main character's sister and I didn't like her character. So I just didn't find enjoyment as much in reading that, but I still would read it again if I needed to, like if I would, were to do it over because I'm really invested in the story and the plot and everything. So Anything that Sarah J. Mass gives me within Akatar, because there's still books coming out, I will read. I, yeah. So I'm super excited about the new books coming out there, but that series was so good. And if you are going to read uh, Fourth Wing and you are someone like me who is, gets really hyper fixated on the books that she's reading, and also if you get like really emotional about your books and you're just like, oh my gosh, like if it's a good book, like if it is that book, like you will really get invested. If you are that type of person, I would honestly recommend having Akatar already in your nightstand because so that when you finish Fourth Wing, you can start reading Akatar because for me, when I finished Fourth Wing, it literally felt like I couldn't function for like days after. That's why I started just rereading Fourth Wing again. I literally couldn't function because I was so I was so in fourth wing, like I was so in that world and I was so invested in the characters and then to have to wait for the next book to come out, which by the way, by the way, Rebecca, I believe her last name is Yaros, who is the author. She is everything for putting fourth wing, the second book out, Iron Flame in November. I believe fourth wing came out in May and to get already the second book out in November is chef's kiss. I'm so glad we don't have to wait years, but if I had to wait years, I would actually be like depressed, but we do not have to wait years. So I'm very happy about that. But even having to wait one day, I was so like dysregulated after I read Fourth Wing. So when I got Akatar, I started to regulate out again because there was a new story that was so good that I was really invested in, that I really loved, and that helped me get over, as they're calling it online, the Fourth Wing hangover. So I really recommend reading those both. Now, after you read Akatar, and I'm just going into it because I'm so in this vibe right now, guys. Like, I'm just in this vibe really, really hard. I'm just so happy right now in this book world. So yeah, I just feel like this is full circle right now. Everything in my life feels full circle. I feel like I am just the woman that I'm just me. I am so me right now. I've never been more me in my life, except maybe when I was ages like zero to 10, I was the most me. But since then, I'm definitely the most me that I have been ever since I was 10 years old. Like 
everything about me is just so authentic and yeah all my things that I loved when I was a kid like reading fiction which is everything to me and love and romance and being outside in nature and being with animals and you know writing all I'm doing is writing my books you know so writing and doing just yeah writing poetry writing songs writing books like those that's what I did when I was younger I just hung out with animals hung out in nature read books and wrote and that's all I do now too so it's just like I just feel so me right now but anyway um yeah so the really fun thing about Akatar guys like I just can't even recommend Akatar enough because not only do you get Akatar which is basically like the ac- that's the acronym for the series so a court of thorns and roses that is Akatar but we just say Akatar and that's every all the books so there's like a court of thorns and roses a court of mist and fury a court of silver flames etc um but so within after Akatar, you can move on to the next Sarah J. Mass series, which is the author of Akatar. You can move on to her next series, Throne of Glass. She has three series, Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. Now, the really fun thing about Sarah J. Mass is that all of her books are in the same universe. So in Throne of Glass, the characters from Akatar kind of uh, overlap at certain points not often it didn't happen for the first three books but they overlap at some points and it's really really fun so like you are in the same universe you're just on a different in a different world or on a different continent or something like that but it's all you know you're in you have the same universal laws the characters can interact because they're in the same universe they can come and find one another or whatever so it's just like really fun because you are getting more information about your characters that you love so much as you're reading other series of her so like you know they're not going to be the main characters but in uh throne of glass like the characters from Akatar, they might come and do something in Throne of Glass and you're like oh that's what they're up to you know like that's what my favorite characters are up to you know at this point so you just get some more information about them and it's super fun and I haven't read Crescent City yet but I've heard that is it is absolutely incredible and I have a girlfriend of mine who's reading it right now she just finished the second book and yeah so apparently the crossovers in Crescent City are even better than they are in Throne of Glass and there's like super intense crossovers with Akatar. and Throne of Glass is a finished series and that's the only one I believe that's finished and Akatar is still going even though the characters that are the main characters in the first three book they're I believe like from their point of view it's done like their kind of story so it's going to be other characters but the characters that you love from Akatar are still in it, obviously, because it's just like her sister or his brother or something like that. That's the main character in the further books. Um, so, yeah, so it's like super fun. It feels like a little it feels like you're in a universal book club. Like it feels like you're in a book club with a million other girls online, because if you go into like book talk, which is literally where I am in deep. So if you just continually search up like Akatar or fourth wing or throne of glass, you just only see things on your for you page that are in book talk basically. And you just, it's just so fun. Like it's just really fun. You just feel like you're in this you know, booky world and there's all these other girls who are reading Akatar and Throne of Glass and Fourth Wing and like everyone's just sharing their thoughts and sharing their opinions and sharing their obsessions. And it's just really, really fun. But I honestly think that Sarah J. Mass's, you know, world that she's created with all of her different series that are all kind of in the same universe. I think that's such an amazing 
genius idea and I think it's just so cool to have you know all these unique series but they're still in the same world and I just think it makes it so much more fun and you also just feel so much more committed to finish all her books like for example I know Suzanne Collins who wrote The Hunger Games like I know she has other books but I never really felt that I needed to read them because I loved Hunger Games. I never really heard anything about her other books, so I just didn't read them. But with Sarah J. Mass, you're like, okay, wait, this is in the same universe and my characters that I love are going to show up in that series. Of course, I need to read this series. And so it just feels like this. I don't know, like when you start Sarah J. Mass, you have to read every single one of her books. So it's just really fun. And it just feels kind of like girlhood in this very fun way. Now, last recommendation, I also have um, on my shelf right now, I have Divine Rivals. I've heard such good things about Divine Rivals. I believe that it's the first in its series and that the other books aren't out yet. I believe it's supposed to be a trilogy with Fourth Wing. It is also the first book in its series and the next one isn't out yet. It comes out in November, but with Fourth Wing, I believe there's going to be five books. Um, It's one of five. But I heard such amazing things about Divine Rivals, and I think it's a really sweet book, and it's not, I don't really know, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard really good things about that book, and then also the um, the other book that I've had, that I have on my bookshelf that I have heard really good things about that I haven't read yet is called a, what is it called, a, okay, I just went and checked, it's called Once Upon a Broken Heart, I thought it was called a a heart or a broken heart or something no but once upon a broken heart so I have that book as well I believe that's by the same author as another popular series right now called Caraval or Caraval uh Caraval I don't know I say Caraval but um Stephanie Garber I believe is the author so there's like a whole world of romanticy that is so fun and Yeah, so that's just like what I'm doing right now. I have really though had to make like a schedule so I only read my fantasy books at night and that's been really important because when I was in the beginning when I was reading Fourth Wing and when I was reading Akatar and A Court of Mist and Fury it was literally taking every inch of my life and when I would read it in the morning instead of doing you know my readings that I do like my spiritual readings I'm reading The Divine Romance right now by Yogananda if I was you know reading my fantasy books in the morning it was really hard for me to kind of get into a flow for my day because I was so invested already from the moment I woke up in my books so I now only read them after usually at night but if I have time during the day I'll read them as well if I have like you know a little break in the day that I want to read but reading having that boundary for myself allows me to have successful days and feel still put together while I'm also invested in my books all right so that is enough of that that's enough of our book talk (laughs) and now let's talk about what we came here today to talk about which is suffering and God and yeah let's just get let's just get into that I really resonate with this question the question that someone asked which was you know basically how can I believe in God when there's so much suffering in the world there's so much pain and um, and for me, when I was first starting out on my journey, on my spiritual journey, I that was one of my first questions. I asked my mentor at the time, I was like, you know, okay, great, but what is, what the hell is going on in this world? Like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And um, so I'm going to do my best to give you guys some answers and some clarity today but know that there is a limit to what I can express because I'm also not God. So I, there's a limit to what I can express to you, but I can share with you what gives me, you know, um, 
piece within this within this play. <laughs> so let's let's just start out with understanding that this life is a play. Okay, so this is not real. This is, but it's real at the same time, right? So there's going to be a lot of paradoxes that we have to hold keeping my foot in both doors so that I can succinctly express this, okay? So there's a lot of paradoxes to be able to hold those because we're in two different spaces of consciousness. So we want to be able to hold both. And that is the way that you want to come to life always. You want to be able to hold the spiritual perspective and hold the earthly understanding and truth and mix them together so that you can navigate life well. So one of the things that we have to understand is that this world is not, this is a play. So we come into this earth, we reincarnate into these bodies, you know, we choose to come into these little bodies, our souls descend into the womb, and then we are birthed into this world. And we are these little, we are these actually big spirits, these big souls, and we come to this earth and we have this physical experience. And the one of the goals of the play is to remember who you are truly. And it's not a remembering from a mind space like, oh, yeah, I am not this body, right? Like it's not remembering in your mind and then saying, because that's not really remembering. That's reciting back information or hearing a cool idea and reciting it back. When we say remembering, when I say remembering, I mean to feel it in every fiber of your body through total self-realization, not total self-realization. You don't have to be totally self-realized. I'm not. I mean, uh, in that sense, in that one aspect, you have felt it fully in your body that you are, let's say, not this body or that you are in a play, etc., Now, the way that that can happen is through meditation and consistent spiritual practice, or you just get blessed with an experience one time that allows you to realize that in the moment, and then you further that over time. But um, we have to understand that we're in this little play, and all of these things that we take so seriously are not really real. Um, And if we looked at them from a different perspective, they would be neutral, And, you know, I remember when I was in my ayahuasca experience, actually, there was something that was super intense for me at the moment. Like it was so hard for me to like move through. It was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like I labeled it as terrible. I was like, this is awful. This is a catastrophe, right? This is a tragedy that this occurred and that this happened or whatever. And when I was in my ayahuasca experience, one of the things that that happened was that there was this really deep understanding that grandmother ayahuasca gave me aka you know a messenger for the divine feminine or an aspect of the divine feminine or an aspect of god or a, a you know a consciousness expression of god so that's what you know she is and so you know what i was communicated from her was that it's okay like it's all neutral it's not good or it's it's all right like there was this really deep sense of peace with this thing that was happening that was really really big for me at the time and I was like this is you know bad and when I was in this experience there was this deep sense of neutrality like it was just like 
either way, it's fine. Like, you know, either way, it's it's actually totally fine. And this really deep sense of peace just washed over my body and I just felt it in my in my body. That would be an experience of being gifted a, you know, just a one time like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this spiritual experience I'm having. And I'm gifted it in this moment. And then you, you know, further it. But that would be an experience of it just like, you know, being gifted in that moment. But, you know, I felt so deeply in my body that and in, in my heart, in every part of me that this thing that I was so upset about, this thing that was so big for me, this thing that was so traumatic for me, this thing that was so hurtful for me was actually really, really underneath all of the pain and all of the drama and all of the trauma in this physical world. There was this space underneath that was so neutral and it was so still and I, I thought about this before. I, I've used a similar analogy, but for something separate. But it's the same analogy where it, it's very similar to kind of like the ocean floor is there. It's ever present. It's, it's there. It's just at the bottom. It's still, it's not moving. It's just, you know, this ocean floor and it's ever present. And then all of these waves and water, you know, and, and, and just all this water is moving above the ocean floor. So in this analogy, the water and all the waves could be this thing for me that was so hurtful and traumatic and painful. Um, with, it's all of that. It's all, you know, that would be like the earthly, view the earthly pain all of the sadness all of the trauma but underneath that the ocean floor it would be the spiritual consciousness underneath that it would be the truth is that it's it's fine it's okay it's neutral it's not it's not you know um bad it's not wrong and it doesn't mean that the thing that happened if it was wrong that it wasn't wrong it means that it occurring was not necessarily bad or wrong. There was a bigger play at play and there was a divine hand in motion, okay? Or that like decisions, and this doesn't apply to everything. I'm just giving this perspective. It doesn't apply to everything. It doesn't absolutely does not apply to everything. And in some cases, this can be really, really traumatic or painful and it doesn't apply, right? But um, for me, this was something that was really, really important for me to see was that these things sometimes that I make to be these really traumatic, really big deals, these really, this really intense thing, in truth, it, it really isn't. It's peaceful. It's, um, there's it's just neutral. There's just a neutrality beneath it. And so that is one perspective that we should hold. The other, like I said, is that this is a play. Um, and that we're in this little earth drama, but when we die or before we die, which is the goal, um, right, to be able to truly attain self-realization before we die. But for everyone, when we die, we see, oh, oh, <laughs> that was just a play. All of these things that I was so intense about, that I was so dramatic about, that I was so, you know, intense with, it was just a play, it wasn't even real. Like it's, it's just a play. And so when we can realize that things can get, and I'm not even talking yet about the suffering. Okay. I'm just giving some premises <laughs> to work with. I'm giving some frameworks here to work with so that we have something to go off of. Okay. 
So this is just another something to go off of an understanding that we have. These are understandings that I've already integrated in my body that I've felt for years that allow me to navigate life from a really, really good space, a really, really even space. Um, So I'm just giving them to you right now. So, you know, understanding that it's a play is really, really important. Now, let's talk about suffering. Okay, so suffering is you know, there's different. Oh, you know what? Actually, I want to say one one more thing. Um, I remember I wrote a poem a few years back and it was about heartbreak. This was like maybe three years ago or four years ago. I wrote this poem and I was writing this poem about how uh, every heartbreak or maybe it was like three. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago, I think um, I was writing this poem about how every heartbreak is that I've ever had in other lives felt so intense but now I'm here in this life and I literally don't care. <laughs> like I, it, it's, it's all right. You know, it's all right. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't feel our feelings, right? It does. It means that we should feel our feelings, but without attaching to them so much and without making a story about them. So we feel our feelings. We feel the heartbreak. We feel the sadness. We feel the suffering. We feel it all fully, but we don't make a story about it and judge it as good or bad or this or that. We just say, okay, this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm heartbroken. I'm sad. This happened, that happened, but I'm not going to make a story about it and judge my story or judge this or judge that. This is just what is in this moment. So I was writing this poem basically just, you know, kind of allowing me to further navigate this truth, which is the neutrality beyond this play, right? And so when we can hold on to that neutrality while we're going about our life, things become a lot less intense, AKA what I'm saying here is the principle of non-attachment as well, but this is really the, you know, the nitty gritty of it. Um, but so when we are not so, so intertwined, when we're not so identified with what's happening in the play, we actually have a deeper capacity to feel it. And then when we feel it, we can let it pass because we're not so attached to it. Now, um, that is, something that it allows us to actually feel more because when people are so identified with the play, when they're identified with the pain and with their their issues and their problems, they become very afraid. They become very, uh, they don't want to feel things. They become, they shut down their hearts, right? So people, they will shut down their hearts. They become closed off to life because they're so identified with this play. They're so identified with the things that are happening in this life that they become so attached to them that they'd rather not feel than to feel sad or to feel the pain. So when you are not identifying with this play, you can actually feel to such a deeper extent, which allows you to be so much more alive. And people think, oh my gosh, if you're not attached to it, then you're not feeling. It's the opposite. When you're too attached, you will close down your heart. You will shy away. You will turn yourself away from pain, from suffering, from upset, from trauma, from whatever it is, adverse feelings, feeling awkward, uncomfortable, you know, um, distrust, whatever it is, you're going to turn yourself away from any uncomfortable feeling if you're not willing to feel it because you're so attached to the feeling of it that it overwhelms you too much to feel it. If you are not attached to the feeling, you allow yourself to feel it so fully and so deeply and you cry when you need to cry and you laugh so deeply when you need to laugh and your well becomes so much deeper because you can 
feel so much deeper because you're not so attached and so identified with the stories around those feelings. So when your heart is broken, you will feel it to the depths of your being instead of trying to numb it out because you know that it's all right. Underneath all of the sadness and the suffering and the tears and the crying, you know that it's all right that you're crying. You know that it's all right and it's all just a play. So when you can tap into that consciousness, it allows you to navigate the earthly world with such a deeper aliveness. And that is an art in this play. And that is something that's very, very important. So from that space, let's talk about suffering. I've given you guys a few premises. Let's talk about suffering. So my understanding of suffering comes from a Hindu perspective, okay, because my guru is Hindu and I follow the Self-Realization Fellowship and I uh, worship Krishna and I worship uh, Yogananda and those are the, those are some of the... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Uh, manifestations of God that I'm naturally very deeply called to and that I follow, okay? So I believe that this is 
truth completely uh, and it's not even really believing it. I've experienced it as truth in my own spiritual experiences that I won't share because they're too special and perfect and private. Believing is really is not enough. So what we need to do is we need to feel it and realize it and experience it firsthand. That is when the heart is truly changed. That is when we actually know God is when we are experiencing God firsthand over and over and over. When people believe and that's what I experienced for a lot. I, not me personally. I experienced a lot of other people who were believers when I was younger and I was around a lot of Christians and Catholics. You know, they would go to church. They believed in these principles and these dogma, this dogma. And then it ne they never, tr nothing ever happened. They never actually felt God. They never actually transformed. They never actually, their heart never got softer. They never got more loving. They became more shut off, more dogmatic, more judgmental, more shaming because they believed in certain things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to experience God firsthand and ex experience these truths firsthand. Okay. So, um, reincarnation is one of the basic principles of life. And one of the basic principles of the universe, as is karma. Karma is a simple uh, scientific law that says for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's all it simply is. Uh, we understand that physically with science. It's the same thing spiritually. I, I mean, it's, it's not even any different, right? It's just a, a scientific law. So this is my understanding, okay? And this is not at all, at all trying to be insensitive at all. It is. It does not mean that anything is deserved. It doesn't mean that anything is. Um, it doesn't mean that anything is less painful. It doesn't mean that there's anything that is not wrong or right. Like there's a lot of the things that happen are not right, and the weight of this world is so heavy right now that it's so hard to navigate. And I just find it to be so crushing at times. And yeah, so th like the amount of suffering is, it's too much. There, it, it's too much. We can't, we can't live like this anymore. But this is my understanding: is that, um, you know, when we we have been alive as humans for many thousands of years, okay, and in those thousands of years, we have become more and more and more and more lost in the play. And that's that's the truth. We see it right now. We're so materialistic right now, especially in the United States. Like, come on, forget about it. We're like so materialistic. It is crazy. We are so attached to the physical. We are so lacking in spiritual truth. We are so lacking in true union with the divine, with her presence. We're so lacking with her grace. We're so lacking with the voice and the presence of God. It is it's honestly wild. Um, we're so attached to these physical bodies, to what's going on, to the drama, to this, to that. It is, it's sick, right? It's a sickness. It's like, I mean, it's not sickness. It's just being so identified with this physical body. And when we are so identified with this physical body, we harm others and we become lost in the drama. So anyway, we've been humans for a really, really long time and we've been accumulating karma karmic debt and we've been doing things from a physical consciousness for a very very long time and those things add up and the more that we reincarnate um, and the more that we choose with our free will to impart pain and suffering 
the more that we, you know, um, rack up a karmic debt. And so then we come back to earth to fill out our karmic debt. And we, and the purpose of that karmic debt is for us to be freed. It's not punishment. It's for us to be freed, right? We want, we need to realize who we are. And so through hopefully the karmic debt adding up, we can realize who we are, right? Um, there's certain, there's certain things that happen. You know, I was talking about this in a different podcast, right? I was saying that there are with animals, it doesn't mean, so uh, there's a belief that people who harm animals then come back as animals, right? And then they're harmed. Does that mean that we should harm animals because then we are creating that karmic? No, because then we get into a karmic debt. That doesn't, that doesn't help, but that's what happens is so then the karmic debt keeps going and going. Do you see what I'm saying? So if I eat a cow or if, let's say I eat, um, let's say I eat a chicken, right? If I eat a chicken here, I slaughter a chicken. I don't have to, there's other options, but I choose to do it. Now I just racked up a karmic debt, right? Cause I killed, I didn't have to, I could have eaten tofu. I could have eaten chickpeas. I could have eaten grass, you know, <laughs> not grass, you know, I'm making a joke, but I could have eaten anything else but I chose to go and kill a chicken, right? Okay, so now I just racked up a karmic debt with a chicken, with killing, with murder. I just racked up a karmic debt because I didn't have to murder. It wasn't for self-defense. It wasn't for self-preservation because I, I could have eaten other things. So now I racked up a karmic debt. Now, maybe, who knows where you come back as, but you come back as a chicken. And that chicken, then you are killed. But what about the person killing you? Does that person, should that person kill you because they're like, oh, well, here's the karmic debt and I need to pay it. I need to level this out because this chicken was once a person that killed someone. So now I need to kill the chicken to level it out. No, because now that person who's doing the killing now is adding a karmic debt for themselves and they're going to come back as a chicken. That's what's happening. So there's this continual... Um, it's, it's just this continual going and going and going and going. And that's a really easy example, but it becomes much more complex. There's this continual going and going and going of karmic debt, karmic debt, karmic debt. Now, karmic debt also comes to countries, to people, to, um, you know, to to areas, you know, and, and I can't speak to that. I have no idea why, you know, from the belief that I'm coming from, um, there's, you know, natural disasters or things like that, that's racked up with karmic debt. I don't know. Like I, do I believe that those, anyone deserved it? No. Do I believe that that should happen? No. Do I believe that I don't know what is happening because I am not God and there's karmic debts happening? Yes. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Like I do, I am not God. I cannot see through this veil, but I do know that there are, those who have become God because they were completely at one with God consciousness. Examples would be Yogananda, Babaji, Krishna, um, Jesus. You know, there, there's a bunch of examples. And, um, and they espouse these ideas of perfection and of seeing behind the veil and understanding that there is uh, equality behind this, this veil, this, not even equality, neutrality. Now, um, this becomes very difficult for me when I think about anything that has to do with women. I don't, I don't really understand what the hell is going on there. 
and I don't get it really I just I really just don't get it um I don't get why this is happening I don't get why you know women in other countries in our country particularly though you know in other countries it gets so much more intense you know with things that have been going on um it's just the femicide that's happening the rape that happens the genital mutilation that happens the everything it's just I just simply don't get it and I apply the same principle and my heart hurts and I leave it at that and I know that is and so let's let's talk about that for a second when I leave it at that what does that mean that means that I say I don't know I don't know what the fuck is going on (laughs) I don't know what the fuck is going on. Why is this happening? I do not know. However, when I put half of it into, or you know, all of it into God's hands, and I say, I don't know what the hell is going on. I trust that there is some neutrality underneath this, that there has to be neutrality underneath this, that whatever, I trust that, whatever, okay, fine. I put it into those hands. Then I stay absurdly open (laughs) to the suffering and do what I can to uh, to relieve it to alleviate it so when I so it does not mean that when you say okay I I don't know I guess that I I have to believe that there is some sort of thing that I do not understand that is playing itself out here that is so painful and so deeply intense with suffering that it is so hard for me to even look at it in its face the, in, the amount of suffering is so vast here. I can't even understand why this is happening, right? But it is. And when I give it to God, that allows me to have some semblance of peace so that I can go and try to alleviate it. I remember there's a, a Ram Dass quote and someone said, you know, what are you... Um, it's something I, I'm not going to butcher the quote, but it says something like, you know, if the world ended tomorrow, is the world going to end tomorrow? Like people were asking him, when is the world going to end? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, it really doesn't matter because if the world was ending in a hundred years or if it was ending in 10,000 years or it was ending tomorrow, I would be doing the same thing, trying to seek God and to relieve suffering, to alleviate suffering. That's all I can do. Uh, honestly and truly. And that that's what I really believe that with all my heart is that I don't know what the hell is going on. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. All I can do is do my part to relieve suffering the best that I can devote my life to relieving suffering. That is all I want to do and to seek God. That's all I can do. So, you know, there are, you know, even let's talk about, let's talk about evil entities, um, energetic entities. Okay. Okay. When I was, actually, let's talk about something first. I remember I was asking my friend, my mentor, I said to him, you know, well, what about all this, this evil, all, all these dark energies? You know, I, I've been, I've seen these dark energies. I've seen them in, in my dreams. I've seen them in these other realms. What the hell is going on? Why is this in God's, why is it, what is this? And he said, I don't know. Uh, he said, but if God has room for it, so do I. And that I don't know. I that's all I can that's all I can offer anybody because that's all I can offer myself. You know, and 
and it doesn't mean that um it doesn't mean that it should be happening that's the thing is that's where we hold that balance is that you know like this chicken shouldn't be killed even if it's the person that killed the chicken we we don't want to get anywhere near that debt we don't want to impart the killing we want to actually uh let's actually we'll go into eliminating karmic debt without actually experiencing the karma let's get into that (laughs) that's the fun stuff (laughs) let's talk about eliminating karmic debt oh my gosh let's get into it ladies and gentlemen really just ladies but let's get into it ladies so eliminating karmic debt what does that mean so um I remember I was at the convocation the other day at the self-realization fellowship convocation and there was a monk who was giving a speech and he said some some quote by Yogananda and I, I forgot what it was exactly but he basically said and it made me cry when I was there something like um if you seek God and you seek God and you seek God and you put your faith in your guru and you put your faith in your guru and you keep showing up, God will move mountains to, uh, he will demolish your karma. He will, you know, completely demolish your karma. She will take it away and, um, and, and whatnot. So what does that mean? So let's talk about that for a second. What it means and, and a, a basic principle of a lot of, first of all, Indian Hindu practices and also within the Self-Realization Fellowship as taught by Yogananda, what it means is that as you elevate your consciousness, as you devote deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to God, it's almost like you're, yeah, you're timeline jumping, you could say. You're entering into completely new timelines that you've never been and you are returning home, 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 home. So you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to home. As you devote to God, you burn away sometimes, most of the time, right? If you truly are, if you are an earnest and true devotee, a true and most, (laughs) you know, no offense to everybody, but most people are not. You know, they go to God from fear. They go to God from shame. They go to God because they want to judge others. They want to go. They go to God because they want to feel good about, you know, how good they are and how bad other people are. They go to God out of habit. They never actually form a relationship with God. They form a relationship with dogma. I'm talking about if you are an earnest, true devotee of God, if you love God and that makes you more loving and you don't shame others because you have truly experienced the love of God that is, you know, being more earnest. Okay. So when you're an earnest devotee and you commit to God, as you rise in self-realization, there's so many levels to becoming fully at one with God. And, um, if you become fully at one with God, you, you know, become a saint, basically, (laughs) you become (laughs) Um, you know, completely self-realized, you become an avatar, you become completely aligned with Christ consciousness. And so if you come to that space, um, the, or the closer that you get, I remember when I was reading the autobiography of a yogi, which I highly recommend to everybody, uh, by my guru, the autobiography of yogi and, and in it, he says something, or maybe it was in the lessons, but something that my guru said was that, you know, if you follow this path, which is the path of Kriya Yogi and uh, Kriya Yoga and uh, Babaji and Yogananda and uh, Swami Sri you, Swami Sri Yukteswar and um, and uh, Lahiri Mahasaya, so if you follow that path, right, 
he was saying that, um, you know, you, what will take you a thousand lives to, to accomplish spiritually will take you, you like, you know, advance your spiritual progression by a million times not really but he was saying something like that basically that as you and what it really means is that if you become an earnest devotee and you truly uh, commit yourself to God and if you commit your life to God you give your life to God and through whatever practice that that manifests in for you you actually do the world a service because you your karma begins to fall away and it was actually really interesting because I felt that happen to me a few months ago. It was a very, very wild experience, but I literally felt I had closed this one chapter of my life and I literally felt God's grace around me and I literally felt my karma falling away. And I felt it in my body and it was, you know, it was just a very beautiful experience, but I felt my karma falling away or that something had completed, but that the rest of it, God was taking away. Um, and that, and I, I, I believe that everybody can, the more that you commit and devote to God, you can advance spiritually so much uh, until you become completely self-realized, which I'm nowhere near, but you can advance spiritually if you're an earnest devotee and um, commit your life to God and you don't do it because you want your karma to fall away. You do it because you love God and you yearn for God uh, for that and that alone. And then there's other side effects, (laughs) you know, other benefits, but you don't do it because of that because if you're truly on that path and you truly love God, then even if it didn't happen, you'd be able to navigate it because you're not so attached in the play. But of course, you don't deserve to have any adverse experiences happen to you. And the more that you walk in the light of God, the less it will. But even still, I can't really say that because there's so much suffering that occurs that is for people that are so beautiful and so sweet. So I don't mean to express that right like it's so hard to express because there's when I say you know if you walk in the light of God then nothing bad will happen to you I don't even that's not even true (laughs) that's not even true right like it's not even true it's just what is going on I don't know you know I don't know and but what I do know is that don't let the density of the world keep you from God If you do that, you become a part of the density itself. When you turn away from God because you are upset at the density of the world, you actually become more immersed in the density of the world and you will end up acting from that space of density because you have not relieved your consciousness to a higher space, to the space that you're not any longer acting in density you become an instrument of density by default because you don't really understand how to move outside of it. So what I would recommend is to make peace with the fact that you don't understand things as I have. And to make peace with the fact that this world is very, very painful and oppressive and scary and traumatic. And that is what is real here. There is a lot of pain and suffering and trauma and that is just the truth here. That's what's playing out right now. It is in, you know, everywhere that you look, right? Like it's like everywhere. The oppression is crazy. The oppression and the trauma is crazy. 
and um and that is what's real in this world yet even within this world there are people who are connecting so deeply to god and if someone else can do that within all of this suffering so can you and when you connect so deeply to god and keep your heart opening open to the suffering you become an instrument to relieve the suffering because you become an instrument of service and that is something that i i truly believe in is becoming so close with god and so open to the suffering in the world that you live to relieve suffering i i believe in that 1000 percent. i believe that that's the way to live life and so again it's never about turning your heart away from the suffering it's about making peace in your own heart and finding peace in your own heart and then doing your part in the play to relieve the suffering and again all of this won't hit if you're not having direct experiences with god and so this is the thing this is the thing ladies i i remember something my guru said was that you know um many religions they tell you about god but i don't want he was like i don't want to tell you about god i want you to experience god firsthand so that you can you know really fully experience god right like i don't want you to just believe in god i want you to feel god in every fiber of your being right i feel like i say every fiber of your being a lot but yeah that's the general gist of it right and um and so if someone were to tell me what i'm telling me now or what i'm telling you now if they were to tell me that 10 years ago i it wouldn't have even made sense i would have just been like okay whatever like I don't know. I mean, maybe it would have hit, but like I wouldn't have really felt it because I hadn't experienced God firsthand. So the real like the way that I can even navigate the intensity of this world and the density of this world is through experiencing God firsthand. And then I can say confidently, I don't know, but I'm at peace. And yet at the same time, I am so upset and so open to the suffering and so sad. And so I'm going to devote my life to make the suffering stop. So it's really about holding those two at the same time. And I really recommend some of Ram Dass's podcasts. I really, really love Ram Dass. And I also recommend, obviously, my guru, Yogananda. Um, and I love uh, my friend Londrell. His music is awesome. And his talks, his podcast is amazing. Highly recommend. And yeah, it's just, it's a crazy world out here, you know? And at the same time, it can be such a beautiful world. When I look at my life, it's so beautiful. And I look out and there's such beauty. And at the same time, there's such suffering and such density and such pain. And I don't know what's playing itself out. I know something's playing itself out. I believe in being an instrument for good, and that's all I can really do. And it's it, it upsets me that there's so much, so many people choosing to be an instrument for evil and so many people choosing to be an instrument of shame and judgment and pain and oppression and just not just wrongness, like just like just terrible behavior, literally for so long. And um, I don't know what what is going on, but that is that's all I can offer you. And so the peace that I experience is from direct experience with God. And so you can have that too. 
And that comes from devotion to your practice. It comes from prayer. It comes from following a guru, a teacher, not just a teacher though, not just, you know, some guy on Instagram or some random person. I mean, an enlightened sage guru, not some culty drama. You know, I mean, Jesus, uh, like an enlightened avatar like Jesus, uh, Yogananda, Babaji, Krishna, you know, there's enlightened avatars in this world. And yeah, so I'm not talking about some culty drama, you know, ridiculousness. Um, But yeah, so it comes from a lot of different spaces, but devoting your life to being in the light of God, giving your life to God and seeking God and finding your own unique path is really the only way to go. And anything else is just kind of foolishness or getting lost you know because what is what is that you know we have to give our life to God because our life is because of God and we come from God and we'll return to God and we are from her womb and return to her womb and we're in her womb right now and if we don't recognize that we're in her womb right now and we don't give her the glory what is what are we doing (laughs) what are we doing you know um so but again everything I just said you wouldn't even have hit for me probably a 10 years ago or something. So whatever your unique path is, just keep seeking God. And, um, and again, I would be so mad if somebody used the things that I said today to try to say, I remember when there was things going on with racial, um, you know, social justice movement for, against racism in the United States. And there was a lot of process, uh, protests and whatnot. And there was this person on online, there was a white girl on Instagram and she was posting something that I saw. And it was something like, well, you know, everything's working itself out in karma and spiritual blah, blah, blah. So you shouldn't complain. And I was like, oh my God, like, stop. Like, this is so embarrassing. Like, oh my gosh, like you're literally using these to like, oh my gosh, stop. So that's not please don't ever use what I'm saying as a way to tell people that are experiencing pain that they should not, that they should be quiet about it or that it should happen to them. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what these teachings are for. And she was deeply misunderstanding them and also misrepresenting them. We want to honor, uh, we want to honor God while also honoring the truth of what's happening in this play and when something bad is happening to people we want to alleviate that suffering that's the thing that we want to do we want to alleviate the suffering and so we want to listen and see how can we alleviate the suffering we want to relieve this suffering if you use that principle to say well suffering then should happen and whatever then you become an an agent of that suffering and then you add your own karmic debt in that drama what you want to do is try to relieve the suffering and listen to those who are suffering and relieve it and create systems in which they are not suffering so that you relieve that so that you no longer engage in any karmic debt and so that you are not happy. It's not because you're not, you don't want karmic debt. It's because that's the right thing to do. But if you do not do that and you say, well, then you should, because whatever, then you just get karmic debt. So, you know, that's not, that's not, that is not it. What what it is is saying, I surrender this to God. Now, how can I be of service? I surrender this to God. Now, how can I listen? What is happening? How can we prevent this? Because when, you know, we continue to play in these dramas, then we are just adding more karma, adding more karma, adding more karma. And then everyone is just getting more pain, more pain, more pain, more pain. We need to stop with the pain. And you know, all the people that are oppressing, let's say in this example, black people, they are doing themselves a massive 
disservice because they are adding massive, massive karma to their plate. Um, you know, the cops that are killing black people, the white people who do not listen to black people, the systems that are set up in which black people are so oppressed, the white people who really just actively hate black people. But even further than that, when they don't hate black people actively, but they don't they don't really validate what's happening with black people. There is a massive karmic debt that you are taking on to yourself and um yeah so that's not the way to go about it uh we want to listen to anyone who's suffering we want to engage in in correct in the correct way and not because you don't want karma but because it's the right thing to do but of course there's side effects to everything and if you don't do that then you get karma karmic debt and karmic karma is good and bad so you get good karma you get bad karma and also karma isn't even good or bad karma is neutral so let's let's actually just readdress that let's address that right now karma is a call for you to return back to yourself so if you are being so nasty to black people and you get karma on your plate does god hate you no god doesn't hate you um are you innately wrong is your spirit wrong i mean no the way you're acting is so wrong and maybe the person you've become is wrong but um the reason that you get karma is first of all because it's a natural law but the karma beckons you back to yourself so that negative or that dense karma that you take on that maybe you get in this life or the next life or whatnot that asks you to come home because the only reason that you imparted harmful actions onto other people is because you've forgotten yourself so dense karma that you have accumulated is actually an invitation for you to come back home so None of it is because life hates you. None of it is because God hates you. Nothing you've been through is because God hates you. Nothing that you've experienced that has been hard or traumatic is because life or karma or, or God or karma, whatever hates you. No, none of that. It's all an invitation for you to come home. And so, you know, when I experience something when I'm seven years old, right, that is an invitation for me to come home. Maybe it's a karmic debt filling. I don't know. I can't make statements. I believe that probably things are, but if they are, if they're not, I have no idea. All that I know is that anything that happens is an invitation for me to come home. So, you know, if you accumulate karmic debt, again, let this sink in. The only reason that that has happened is because you have forgotten yourself. There is no way that if you are connected to who you truly are, which means you're connected to who everyone else truly is, which means that you see the oneness between you and others, that you would harm somebody else truly in that way. So if you are harming someone else in that way, it means you've forgotten yourself. So taking on that dense karmic debt is a way to break you down, to have you remember who you are. And that is a gift. So nothing is even against you. Nothing is, you know, bad. It's all just an invitation home. These things are very, very difficult to understand. So I really appreciate you guys hearing this and listening to me and sticking with me through this episode. And I hope in some way this was really helpful for you guys. And yeah, I love you guys so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.